Last week I began a message. I told you it was going to take two weeks. And I'm calling it Faith, Time, and Harvest. Faith, Time, and Harvest. I said one of the greatest tests of faith is time. Because time is not always our friend, is it? (laughs) Especially for those of us called humans, time continues to tick no matter what happens. And so time is a process. We have to recognize that time is almost like money that is slipping through our fingers, and we need to know how to use it. The old illustration goes that what if I were to give you $86,400 today? In fact, what if I were to give all of you $86,000 today, $86,400 today? But the stipulation was, as I hand that out, the stipulation is you've got to spend it all in one day. You can't invest it in a stock market. You can't do any of that. You've got to spend it in one day. What would you do with that $86,400? Tesla Model Model X. Some of you would buy food. Some of you would buy gold. Some, I mean, I don't know. What would you do with that $86,400? Some of you are like, I'd pay off my house. I mean, there, there's many various. As many people are in the room, that's as many different things as we would do, right? That's how much God gives you every day. 86,400 seconds. And what you do with it matters. What you do with it counts. That's the investment God makes in you every day. What are you doing with that? And in that time, we've got an opportunity. That's what we've been talking about on Wednesday nights for the last several weeks. Is, is Many of you thought we were just going to be talking about the Antichrist and 666 and all that kind of stuff. No. It's about understanding that we have a limited time here, but there's unlimited time there. What we do here will reverberate throughout eternity. Amen? So when we're going through trials, when we're going through tribulations, when we're going through things, let me just go ahead and read it in James chapter 1. It says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Say anything. Go ahead and say not lacking anything. How many of you would like to not lack anything? That's what going through trial and tribulation and your faith being tested in that time will produce a point where you lack nothing in your spirit. Faith produces that perseverance, but it takes time. We also talked about how that, that just like that time, that's like seed that we can sow. And I just want to read three verses out of Luke chapter 8 on, on this. It says, Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than what was sown. And when he said this, he called out, Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 11, This is the meaning of the parable of the sower and the seed. The seed is the word of of God. Then verse 15. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, 
and by persevering produce a crop. I'm not going to talk about the other types of seed and the other, or excuse me, the other types of hard ground and all of that today. That was last week. You can go back and listen to it. But I want to remind you that those who have their heart as good soil, when the seed goes out, we need to be able to hear it, to attend to it, to consider what has been said. I made this statement yesterday, and I've been with some of you for three days. It's awesome. We had our prayer meeting Friday night. We prayed from about 7 till a little after 9, and then there was some ministry that went on after that. It was awesome. And then at 10 o'clock, our French African ministries came and took over from there, and they went till about 2 a.m. This place is bathed in prayer today. <laughs> then on Saturday morning, we got up early, and we had a great time with some men of the church at our men's coffee, and Wes brought an incredible word from the Word of God. It was awesome. But I made this statement yesterday to those men. I said, you'd be surprised when I say, I think you need to write this down. The Holy Spirit is saying, write this down, or, or this is something you need to write down. I said, you'd be surprised because I'm looking at you, but you only see maybe you know, a couple people around you in the backs of their heads. But I see all of you. I said, when I say, get out a piece of paper and write this down, the percentage of people who actually do that is about 5%. Some, now they do some grab their phones, and I know, you got notes app, that's good. But I said, I don't know if they're writing notes or checking Facebook, I'm not sure. But anyway, there's times when we need to hear from the word of the Lord, and I believe we need to write it down. This is something I do on a regular basis. And just watch me. The next time we have a special guest here preaching the word of God, watch. Do you, I give you full permission, look over at me. What do I have in my hand? I've got a Bible, and I've got a notebook. I'm not writing down every word the guy's saying or the girl's saying, but I will tell you what, I'm writing down what the Holy Spirit is saying. You see, I, I, I love this. I learned this years ago. My understanding of the human body doesn't go very far, but I understand this because of communication. That hearing something like what you're doing right now you will receive and retain somewhere between 5 and 20% of what you hear. Parents, you know that very well to be true. Amen, parents? you got to repeat over and over again to your kids what to do, right? I did it all weekend. I've been wifeless for a week, and I tell you what, I love having my wife home. She is amazing. But when she is not home, it's like, you know, when your wife's home, when your spouse is home, you got stereo speaker going on to your kids. When you're alone, it's mono, and you got to just even say it more. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But, but going back to hearing, so, so you got to hear multiple times. But on a Sunday morning, sometimes for an entire week, I've got one chance to speak into your life, and it's on Sunday morning. So about 5 to 20%, you're going to remember what I said. But can I tell you this? When you write it down, you retain 100%. Yeah, unless you lose the paper. <laughs> but studies say if you write it down, it increases your retention rate to about 70 to 80% just by writing it down. Wow. I expect to see notebooks by next week. Maybe that's what we need to get for guest gifts is notebooks instead of coffee mugs. But coffee will keep you awake, so I don't know. Anyway, let me move on. <laughs> hear. Hear the word. Say, hear the word. Hear the word. 
Understand it. Retain the word to hold fast, keep secure, get possession of. And then persevere. Hypopome. Steadfastness, constancy, endurance. And I love the definition of hypopome. It means in the New Testament the characteristic of a person who is not swerved from their deliberate purpose and their loyalty to faith and piety by even the greatest trials and sufferings. Wow. So I'm taking that word in, I'm holding on to it, and I'm not letting go. Did you hear it? I'm taking that word, I'm holding on to it, and I'm not letting go. I want to move on to Luke chapter 8. We're going to skip quite a bit. Luke chapter 8 is a long chapter. Luke was a doctor, and he was very, very precise and wordy in what he said, but it's good. Look at Luke chapter 8, verse 40. Now, when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue ruler, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him. Did you hear that? Pleading with him. Who came at Jesus' feet? A synagogue ruler. This is somebody who at this point should know better. Jesus is a rebel. At this point in the gospel narratives, Jesus is a rebel. The Pharisees are not happy with him already. I mean, they weren't happy with him pretty much from the time he opened his mouth. But especially now that he's healed some sick, he's raised some dead, he's talked crazy about being a Messiah and all that kind of stuff, they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And Jairus, a synagogue ruler, should have known better than to come to Jesus for his needs. But how many of you know when you're desperate? (laughs) When you're desperate. And he came to him and he pleaded with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. At 12 years old, you remember being 12? For some of us, that's been a long time ago. Do you remember being 12? Life was just getting started. I mean, you were coming alive to things. You were understanding things you didn't understand before. I mean, when you talk about Jesus, he was already teaching the teachers. But for the rest of us, we were just beginning to absorb. We were loving to read. You know, there was so much going on. And and life was just getting started. Transition from a... Adolescence to adulthood is going into high gear in many people at that time. Hopes, dreams are being born. This girl, she could do anything, be anyone she wants at this stage in her life. Even in the Jewish society that looked at a girl of 12 still being a child, but just in a couple of years being a woman. She was still at that stage of having hopes and dreams. That's what being 12 is like. Anybody remember that? But before fully experiencing life, death came knocking at her door. And her parents, as far as we know, as far as we can see from the text, only child. Her parents are desperate. Her dad, a religious ruler, had heard about Jesus, had heard what he could do. Even maybe he, with his own eyes, saw others. By this time, this is what we call in the text uh, uh, the year of popularity. Jesus is growing more and more popular. That's why the Pharisees didn't like him. 
He was growing more and more popular with the masses. People were crowding in on him. People were coming to him. And he pressed in through that crowd and came and grabbed his shoulder and said, Jesus, would you come with me? My daughter is dying. We go over to verse 42, and it says, As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. How many years? 12. How old was the daughter? 12. We'll come back to that. But no one could heal her. Now, I'm going to read between two Gospels because how many of you know to get the whole story, sometimes you've got to read a little more. So Mark gives us some detail, which is unique because Mark's a smaller book. Mark wasn't always as detailed, but here he was very detailed. By the way, what I'm reading to you is found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. When the scripture repeats itself, we need to take notice. When the scripture repeats itself, we need to take notice. So I'm going to flip over to Mark chapter 5. You don't have to. I've got it up here. But if you want to, go for it. It says about this woman, she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. After 12 years of suffering, this woman was slowly, literally bleeding to death. The doctors couldn't cure her. They, her money had run out. She was growing worse and not better, and she was at the end of herself. And she, like Jairus, heard Jesus was in town. She saw the commotion. And then the Bible makes a very bold statement about this woman. And this is out of Mark chapter 5, verse 27 and then 28. It says, when she heard about Jesus, she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. You know, I, I, was, I was studying as I was writing this message. That, that phrase kept jumping out on me. She thought. She thought. Say she thought. Look at your neighbor and say, it's okay for Christians to think. Amen? It is. She had a thought, but I couldn't get away from it, so I decided to break open the old Greek text. And I went to my blue letter Bible, and I opened it up, and I saw there something very, very interesting. The word thought, the Greek word thought, is actually the word lego. And it's spelled exactly like you could imagine, L-E-G-O. Not Lego my ego, but Lego like the building bricks. And the word means to say, to speak, to speak out, to speak of, to mention. The word thought means actually to speak. So go with me here. Have you ever had such a powerful thought that no matter who was around, you spoke it out. So you need to understand this. When the Bible says she thought, if, of course, every word that comes out of our mouth first goes to our brain, unless you're a teenager. But otherwise, every thought, everything that comes out of our mouth goes through our brain first. Mm -hmm. But the Bible is quite literal. So this is literally what happened to this woman who was bleeding to death 
She had spent everything she had. She was desperate. And the Bible says as she was watching Jesus pass by, she said, if I can just touch him. If I can just touch him. Now, you need to understand a little bit of Jewish understanding here, but not a lot. We're not talking about, come here, Bill, can you come here? You don't got anything in your lap, so come here. Stand right here. Yeah, give it up for Bill. Bill's been my friend for over a decade, so I can do this to him, okay? But it wasn't like, if I can just grab his garment, that wasn't what it was like. Now, you have to imagine, I know this is tough, but you have to imagine Bill with a robe on all the way down, right? And what, what they were saying was, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. Why the hem of his garment? Because Jesus was considered a great teacher, even a priest before God, not in, the, not in Aaron. Of course, we know biblically he was. But at this time, he would have had teacher's clothes on. And at the bottom of those clothes would have been his prayer shawl wrapped around him and hanging out. Maybe you've seen that before. And at the bottom of that prayer shawl of his cloak were tassels. Tracking with me? And each tassel was designed by God so intricately. And those tassels had even healing. We'll see that in a minute. Were considered part of the healing process of God. I'm not saying they were magical. I'm just saying they were considered part of the healing process of God. Thank you, Bill. Appreciate it. So this woman, being Jewish, said to herself, if I can just get to his tassels, this is a holy man of God. If I can just touch him, touch the hem of his garment, I won't have to disturb him. I won't have to come out. I mean, I don't want to be gross, but think about this. She'd been bleeding constantly for 12 years. How do you hide that? The shame, especially in the Jewish society, the shame of that. Although she didn't deserve that. Come on, somebody. But the society put shame on people who had constant sickness because they said you must have done something to make God angry. You must have sinned before God. How many of you know the Bible does not say she sinned at all? She's had a disease. And she says, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, the tassels, and she spoke it out. And in speaking it out, how many of you know, when something goes from here to here, you're serious about it? Well, for the most part. Joseph wanting a Tesla Model X, yeah, that. That may be the desires of his heart coming out. But, I mean, I'm telling you, when you begin to speak something, you're serious about it. And in that moment, she committed herself. She said, I'm going to go to him. I'm going to get to him. This unnamed woman had this crazy thought. She spoke it out. And then Scripture says, look at Luke 8, 44 and 45. She acted on it. 
She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Woo. What did she do? She thought, she spoke, and she acted. It's so important to what the Lord wants to speak today. She thought, she spoke, and she acted. And Jesus said, who touched me? Before I get to that, those that are willing to act on inspired impressions will catch the attention of Jesus. Those that are willing to act on inspired impressions will catch the attention of Jesus. Who do you think caused her to think? Come on. God. God spoke to her heart and said, just go touch him. You don't have to talk to him. Just touch him. Just touch him. And I believe, hear me, church, if we are willing to act on inspired impressions, we're going to see the miraculous happen. We're going to catch the attention of Jesus. Don't tell me that revival is just something that just happens randomly. There is a concerted effort, according to Scripture, that he calls out on my name, who will turn from their wicked ways and call on my name. I will hear from heaven, and I will heal their lands. Jesus is looking for someone who's willing to think, to speak, and to act on that. It's going to catch his attention. Oh, I'm going to preach before I get to it. Let's keep going. The rest of 45 says, when they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. Was that truth? Yes. Everybody. I, I, if I had enough people, I'd do this illustration. I, I, just, I just don't want to take the time. But you can, can you just imagine with me? Everybody's pressing against Jesus. They want to get near Jesus. They want to hear what the master says. Maybe some beautiful wisdom will flow out of his mouth as he's walking along. Maybe, maybe, just maybe he might look at me. Maybe, maybe he may reach out and touch my shoulder. I mean, this is the teacher. This is the master prophet. They wanted to be near him. But Jesus said, no, someone touched me. Can you say that? Someone touched me. And how did he know it? Scripture says, because I know that power has gone out from me. Whew. Don't tell me that laying hands on the sick is an antiquated way of praying for people. I believe that power goes out from him who believes. Oh, I'll get back to that another time. I'm telling you, Jesus had power flowing through his veins, but it was the woman who received the power. Everyone else was pressing in, but no one was touching him. Everyone wants to be near Jesus, but not all are willing to touch him. Can I tell you, what I fear about our generation, this is what I fear about our generation. Oh, Jesus, he's so cool right now. 
Oh, yeah, man. Worship, man, that's the quickest selling, fastest growing genre in music right now. We want to be near Jesus. Oh, come on. I'm willing to pay 100 bucks to go to this worship band's I'm sorry, I don't want to mess. But I'm willing to, because I want to, oh, I just want to hear the best music. I want to be, and I just want to be near Jesus. But do we want to press in and touch him? There's a difference. You see, the difference between the crowd and the woman is the crowd just wanted to be around the latest thing. The woman was desperate to live. May I submit to you that we need to maintain an attitude of desperation in our pursuit of God. We must maintain an attitude of desperation in our pursuit of God. Oh, but pastor, I know you're watching on Facebook, so this is only for you, not for anybody in this room. Oh, but pastor, I mean, you know, I show up to church once or twice a month, and you know what? I'm, it's tough for me to get there. I mean, the kids, they got to be fed. <laughs> you don't know the pain to feed the kids by 10 o'clock in the morning. It's tough. Just go ahead and forgive me right now because the Bible says you got to be, you know, you got to forgive or else you won't make it into heaven. So just go ahead and forgive me right now. This is prophet. This is not Pastor Ricky, you know, the pastor, the shepherd, the nice. This is, past, this is Prophet Ricky speaking right now, okay? Just warning you. Oh, but Pastor, you know, it's so tough. I stubbed my toe yesterday. And it was, oh, it was just rough. I'm sorry I couldn't, couldn't make it to church because I stubbed my toe. How's work? Oh, work's amazing, man. I'm there every day, 15 minutes early. How desperate are we for God? I'm not trying to put a guilt trip on anybody, but if God does it, as the old saying goes, that the shoe fits, wear it, and then go before God. That's up between you and God. But I'm telling you, there is a general thing in the American church today that says if it's not convenient, then it's not for me. I'm just going to say it. Pursuing God will never be convenient. Because we don't come on our time, we come on His time. Oh, it's quiet in this great cathedral today. I love it. God, break our hearts. Can I just tell you, this, this thing that Joseph went to, the sin, has just messed me up this week. I wasn't even there. I only watched a few hours online, live, out of the 12 hours. But it's messed me up. Why? Because I saw a generation willing to do whatever it took to be in a stadium, to not hear the latest speakers, to not hear the latest worship band, but simply to gather, to call out on God for a new evangelical, evangelistic, missional movement in our day and our time. That group of 58,864, how many ever that were gathered actually in that stadium were simply calling out to God. My heart broke as I saw men 
and women of God that I highly regard and I highly, I, I mean, I just, I look up to these guys. I admit it. As I watched them on that stage line up, some, in fact, almost three-quarters of them, Joni and I counted, almost three-quarters of them have physically laid hands on us over the years because of being in different conferences and places. And these guys, I mean, we're talking about guys and girls that are big, that aren't just leading a church here or there. They're leading entire movements around the world. And as I watched, and not one of them, not one of them got up there and said, Hi, my name is, here's my books, here's my CDs, here's the stuff. But as they got up there and as they encouraged the crowd and as they said, Let's serve God, let's go after God, let's seek God. And as they simply prayed. And I said, God, you're doing something. Because the day of the popular, the day of the of the, I don't even know what to call it. But the day of the fan Christian is over. Fandom is over. It was never in vogue in the kingdom of God. Never. Jesus, as you'll see in a minute, would even tell people, don't say anything to anybody. I know I just raised the dead, but don't tell anybody. In our generation, it's, I raised the dead, so I'm going to write a book. I'm going to sell a series. Um, come on. Nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying we've got to get to the place that we are so desperate for God that we're willing to give up whatever we got to give up. We're willing to go up whatever we got to go up. We're willing to press through whatever we got to press through. I got to be honest with you. If this is you, that's okay. It's between you and God. But I'm so disturbed when my brothers and sisters that are pastors tell me I don't have to go anywhere to get revival. And I just, whoa, careful there, buddy then why are you inviting people to your church every Sunday? I'm not saying you've got to go all over the world. I'm not saying, I'm just saying if God tells you to go all over the world, then you better go all over the world. If God puts in this young man a fire and says, Dad, I've got to be at the Sin in, in Orlando, Florida in February. He's been telling me this for months. And I go, okay, this is more than just I've got to be there. This is God is speaking to me. Something shifted. And that's what this woman did. She was so desperate to touch him. It wasn't just a momentary fascination. She said, I got to have him. The crowd was pressing in, but the woman broke through to touch him. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. And in the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Luke eight forty eight. Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. I want you to see this. Faith is speaking and acting on inspired thinking. Faith is speaking and acting on inspired thinking. How do I know that? Because he said your faith has made you whole. The only 
example, the only thing that we have here is that this woman simply did what? She had a thought, she spoke it out, and then she acted on it. And Jesus defined that as faith. Some of us have this weird thinking of faith. I got to crawl on coals to get, you know, there's religions that I just got to crawl on coals so that I can show my worth to a God. Jesus doesn't require that. Aren't you glad for that? Otherwise, we'd be all burned up, right? Faith is simply speaking and acting on that inspired thought. What do I mean by inspired thought? I don't mean you just like, oh, yeah. Sorry, Joe, I guess you said it, so i got to pick on you. Oh, yeah, i got to get a model te- Tesla X, yeah, or Tesla Model X or whatever, you know. I, is that inspired thinking? Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Right now, I don't think it is, personally. Just me. But maybe it is. You know what Joe has to do now? He has to differentiate. God, is this you or is this me? Or it could be the devil, too. I doubt it, but it could be. We blame the devil for a lot. He gets a lot of credit for things that we do. Oh, I got to move on. Let's look at the rest of this here. Luke eight forty nine. While Jesus was still, still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. She's gone. We were too late. It's time to move on. It's time to mourn. You know, she received her full healing on the other side. That's what Jairus was probably thinking. I can't say he was for sure. But having heard those words just a few months ago, those were thoughts that came to me. We tried We fought. It's time to move on. It's time to give mourning a try. She received her full healing. Can I tell you, those things are true. There's nothing wrong with those statements. But Jesus was thinking something different. (laughs) Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just believe. I like how one translation says it. Only believe. And she will be healed. What was he saying? He was saying the same thing that the woman did. Don't be afraid. She had to fight through her fear. Only believe. And she will be healed. Transforming faith takes transformational thinking. You see, we I, I, I dare say that there's not a person in this room who doesn't want to see the miraculous. I mean, it's, it's part of us. If you're a living, breathing Christian, then, then there's something about you that wants to see the miraculous. And if you're a sinner in this place, there's probably something about you that wants to see the miraculous. How do I know that? Go to the movie theater. What are the top-selling movies right now? Are they the horror flicks? Are they the blood and gore? No. You know what they are? They're hero movies. They make billions of dollars. Why? Because someone 
It's innate in us. We want to see, we want to see the good survive and thrive. And we want to see some supernatural action in the meantime. It's in us. But I got to tell you, transforming faith takes transformational thinking. You got to change the way that you think. Conventional thinking says it's over, move on. Transformed thinking says don't be afraid, only believe. God's got this. When we got the phone call, what did we do? They said Jackie's gone. We began to seek God. Because Jackie told us, she said, if I die, call me back. So we did for two hours. In Montana, in Texas, in other places, we all began to seek the face of God. Why? Because I personally believe that God still raises the dead. I do. And she had enough faith to tell us, if I die, call me back. We did for two hours. And then all at the same moment, we all felt the same nudge from the Holy Spirit. She decided to stay. She decided to stay. We let her go at that point. Why do we give up so easily? Why do we give up so easily? Why do we say, well, must not have been God's will. Did you ask him? Did you ask him? Did you say, God, was this really your will? Was it, was it your will for it to end this way? Was it your will for this relationship to end this way? Was it your will? I've got a friend of ours that right now is still believing God for her relationship with her husband, who they've been divorced for a year. You know what? I can't tell that woman, hey, it's over, get over it. Why? Because it's not, it's not the same thing. It's not the normal thing. There's something in this woman who is saying, I believe God told me to not let go until he tells me to let go. You know what? Then I'm going to stand with her. He's got a choice to make. I understand that. I, listen, I'm a pastor. I've been through these things. I know what to say. But how can I argue with a woman of faith <laughs> who says, I have a word from God? Why do we give up so easily? Is there a time to let go? Yes, obviously. But too quickly we give up. I want to I say this before I end. This, I think this is so important. And then we're going to be done. 1 Corinthians 13, 11 says this. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. But when I became a man, I did away with childish things. As we grow up in our faith, we put away childish speech, childish thinking, childish reason. That's, hopefully, that's what we do in our physical life. Amen? Hopefully, my six-year-old will not continue to think like a six-year-old, act like a six-year-old, reason like a six-year-old when she's 26. I'm so glad my son at 25 acts like a 25-year-old the most of the time. I'm so glad that he's an adult. But did I love him as a baby? You better believe it. Did I love him as a kid? You better believe it. I loved all those. Man, he was a great kid. He was a fun kid. Now he's a great adult and he's a fun adult. But I don't want him acting like a six-year-old. Come on, somebody. What do we we say about 25-year-olds that act like five-year-olds? They need help. Maybe we need to get some help. 
have the counselor, mental, you know, medicine, whatever it takes. And that's all Paul is saying. He says, we got to put away childish things. But then somebody says, but wait a minute. Yeah, Paul said that, but didn't Jesus say we got to have childlike faith? Didn't Jesus say that? Didn't he say that? No, he didn't. Yes, I tricked you on that one. He never said have childlike faith. Nowhere in Scripture will you ever find. It's a, it's a sacred cow. It's a theology that we have come up with on our own. Don't worry, I'll prove it. Nowhere in the Word of God does Jesus declare for us to have childlike faith or the faith of a child. Jesus told his disciples in Luke 9, Matthew 18, and Mark 10 all the same thing. He said that we must become like children to enter the kingdom of God. And he was saying this to disciples who were arguing about who was the greatest. So what was Jesus saying? He was saying we must be born again. How can you... How can you come into the kingdom of God unless you've first been born again? We've got to become like a child. And we must come in humility and innocence to God to enter into his kingdom. You can't come into the kingdom of God full of pride. And so Jesus said, dudes, see this child? See how innocent, how humble he is? You need to be like this to get into the kingdom of God. I know I'm messing with some of you right now. Some of your transformed thinking is shorting out right now. Go ahead. Go ahead. Tell me. Tell me. Just look in the scripture. Study it out. If you find it that Jesus said, have childlike faith or have the faith of a child, please show it to me so I'll correct it next Sunday. And I'm humble enough to correct it. But I had to be corrected. That's why I'm passionate about it right now. Because when I was corrected, I said, Holy Spirit, I'm so sorry. I don't know if I've ever said those words, but if I have... I'm so sorry. Why? Why is this important? Because our faith was not designed to stay like a child. Our faith was designed to grow and mature from a seed to the largest plant in the garden. Some people think that even when Jesus said, have faith, even faith is a mustard seed. Then you can say to this mountain, what was he saying? He was saying that faith, because he goes on and teaches it, that faith is a seed and seeds grow. Our faith was never meant to stay in childlike form. You see, we need maturity in our thinking and complete dependence and obedience like a child in our faith. We need maturity. The Bible says, be sober. Your enemy prowls around like a lion, seeking whom he may desire. We've got to be mature and sober in our thinking. We cannot continue to think like children in our faith. We've got to grow from that. Somebody say amen, amen. even if you're not sure yet. Romans 12, 2 says this. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you to not think more highly of himself than he ought to think. There it is again, pride. But to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. Again, 
our measure of faith is contingent a great deal on the way we think. Have you noticed a theme anywhere at all? I've basically said the same thing about seven times because I know that for those of you that aren't writing it down, I want to make sure you leave here with it. Our thinking is in direct correlation to our faith. God wants us to have transformed minds so that we, when we get that measure of faith, can grow in it. If you think, ah, they're not going to be healed. There's no hope for this relationship. Do you think that that is good soil that the seed of the word of God can grow in? Doubt and fear is horrible soil to grow faith in. We've got to get to that place where we say, Holy Spirit. In fact, I'm going to, I don't know. I'm, just put your hand on your head right now. Say, Jesus, transform my thinking by your word. Increase my faith, Lord, by the renewing of my mind. I got to finish the story. Or else I'll, I'll have to go a third week, and I don't want to do that. Luke 8 51 says this When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's mother and father. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She is not dead, but asleep. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. Jesus locked out the fakers and the doubters. You see, those people that were gathered there had been hired to be there to mourn. He locked out the fakers, and he locked out the doubters. We've got to do that. If our faith is going to grow, we've got to lock out that fakeness, that religious spirit. We've got to lock out those doubters that are constantly speaking into us. What am I trying to say? You say, but I live in a house full of fakers and doubters. <laughs> there is hope. You can lock them out by the word of God. You can speak the word of God. You can go and pray over them. I know it may be creepy to some of you, but we go and pray over our kids at night sometimes. We'll just walk in their room. They've had, a, they've had one of those days. And we go in and we'll just pray over them. When we used to give foster kids in our house, we would go and pray in those rooms. And we would go. And at night, when we knew that they were asleep, well, with a kid like that, you never really knew if they were asleep. But you just assumed that they were asleep. And we would go and we would pray over them. Because we believe in the power of God. We believe in the power of prayer. And we believe in transformed minds. And sometimes you've got to lock out the fakers and the doubters. But he took her by the hand, verse 54, and said, My child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. You remember we talked about the tassels? In one of the Gospels it says, in some versions it says, Talitha. And some have translated it Tabitha or Tabitha. But really, Talitha is not a name. Because you know those tassels that we talked about? You know what those are called? Talits. So Jesus took the Talit and he placed it in this little dead girl's hand. And he said, little girl with the Talit in your hand, get up. Get up. The same talit 
that the woman touched, touched the daughter. So what am I going to start doing? I'm going to start selling prayer shawls from now on, and we're going to have tallits, we're going to have tallit nights where everybody's going to come and touch the tallit. No. No. What are we going to do? We're going to reach out and touch him. We're going to tell others, you don't have to go through a religious form anymore. You can come to Jesus. And you can reach out and touch the hem of his garment. We're going to come in the name of Jesus and say, little girl, you're 12 years old. It's not your time. Get up. Get up. Would you stand with me? The number 12. In verse 1 through 3, it was the number of the disciples. There were times through Scripture where he would say disciples, apostles, but there were other times he would say the 12. And in Luke chapter 8, he says the 12. Jairus' daughter was how old? 12 years old. How many years had the woman suffered? 12. You think that's coincidence? It's repeated three times through three Gospels. I don't think so. And as I was studying, you can take this or leave it, but I'm taking it. As I was literally studying two weeks ago and preparing for these messages, I heard the Holy Spirit say this. New Day Church is 12 years old. It'll be 13 later this summer. We're 12 years old. I got to tell you, we may be in that awkward phase of adolescence. But let us not lose the sense and wonder of the glory of God. Let us enter the kingdom of God like a child with humility and complete dependence on Him. Stepping out in obedience, following our Father's commands because He's our Father and we're His child. I want when people see us to think, if I can just touch Jesus that they emulate. I don't want them to touch us. I want them to touch Jesus in us. Let's lock out the fake religion, the doubt, the fear, and let's enter into the places where others have declared death and begin to decree life. Let's be a place of hope. Let's be a place of life and transformation because we're transforming our minds by the renewing of our minds through the Word of God through the Holy Spirit, and out of that, we're going to see transformation happen. I want us to grow up. I know you've been wanting to say this to somebody next to you for a long time. Would you just look at them right now and say, grow up? You've been wanting to say that. Would you just grow up? Come on. I, I want us to grow up in the faith. I want our faith to grow. I want our faith to be strong. I want our faith to be like the tree in the garden. Come on. And if you're at the seed stage, I'm not going to mock that. I'm going to say, praise God. Let's water that. Let's fertilize that. Let's get the word of God mixing up in all of that soil. And let's get growing. Some may say, oh, you're 12 years old. You're dead. 
Come on, look at New Day Church. You haven't realized all the dreams and the visions that, that you've spoken. You haven't seen all the dreams and visions that you've written down. I am here to tell you we may be 12 years old. There may be in a times when we were even bleeding out. But I'm telling you, God is the healer. God can raise the dead. God can move on your situation. God can move in you. And we can see our faith grow. So much so that others come to rest under the tree. What does that mean? They're saying, I want to come. And while my faith is growing, I need a little shade. Oh, I know, some of you scholars, yeah, there's also birds that come and try and rest in there. Little demons that try and come and sow seeds of discord, but the tree's too strong. Have you ever seen a bird take a tree down? I haven't. Maybe you have. I haven't. Can we just lift our hands? i got to be honest with you. I should know, but I don't know how to end this. So just raise your hands and say, God, I want to grow. If you've got faith like a mustard seed, then just say that. Say, God, you know my, my faith is so small right now, but you promised me that even small faith could do mighty things. So, God, I'm going to stop listening to the voices of doubt and fear and shame and religion, and I'm going to start walking in the fullness you have for me. God, I come before you right now. God, and I ask in the name of Jesus that you would grow our faith, Lord. God, that as the word of God comes in, as the word of God fills us even today and mixes up with us, God, that there would be such a powerful move of your spirit. God, we don't just want to see this because we want to grow and we want to have more people to worship with. No, God, we want your kingdom to come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We join our voices with the 58,000 voices from last weekend, and we say in the name of Jesus, let another great awakening hit this land. God, it may look hopeless. It may look like nothing is happening. It may look like that the dream is dead for America as far as evangelism, but God, we know, we know according to your word that you have set this country apart, God to be a gospel-sending nation. God, now send the gospel to us. God, let us see your kingdom come and your will be done. If you're in this place with every head bowed and every eye closed and you say, I don't even have seed-like faith, I, I don't, but I want to have faith. But I know that my relationship with God is far from Him. I'm far from Him. Today, make it right with God. Today, just simply pray and simply believe and say in the name of Jesus, I, I walk away from my sins. I turn away from my sins. And I walk towards you in the name of Jesus. I ask you, Jesus, to come and to forgive me of all my sins. I believe that you're the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through you. Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Do it right now. Jesus, come, come, come. Raise them up in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Jesus, we just give it to you. We give you this week. We give you our days. We give you the next 86,400 seconds, God. Do what you want with them in Jesus' name. Have your way. Hallelujah. Just lift your hands. I just want to bless you.
as we go. Lord, we just pray you bless these people. God, bless them in their coming and their going. God, provide for all of their needs according to your riches and glory. God, do what only you can do in our hearts and in our lives this week, God. I thank you that the seed that was planted today, God, will grow. God, a hundredfold that will take it. God, that we would just walk in the transformed mind. God, we walk in the mind of Christ this week. And Lord, that we would just walk by your suit. Listen to your voice. Hear your voice. Speak it out and act on it, Lord. In Jesus' name, we thank you. We praise you. Let faith arise in our hearts. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. We love you. And we'll see you. We'll see you later. Hope to see you on Wednesday.